This is Simon Transparently Awakening the heart of humanity As we see beyond the lies And open our eyes to realize This is our time to rise Welcome everyone to yet another podcast Can you believe it? I just keep recording And the reason being is because I enjoy sharing these conversations with the world And today I'm with Someone you know, definitely you know by now, I'm guessing, uh, Charles Eisenstein, a friend, and hmm, how will I describe you today, Charles? Um, I, For me, when I'm, I'm currently reading your new book, The Coronation, and I, I, I really like a visionary thinker. I like that. That's what was coming up. Somebody asked me the other day, I was sharing uh, stuff about you as I do, and they're like, yeah, Charles, you know, I, they hadn't had heard of you so much. And I said, like, well, you know, he's like a visionary thinker, but you know, he's got such a broad perspective on the views of, of the world and culture. And I just finished your gift course for the second full time, hmm. the uh, living in the gift. And um, yeah, I've been sharing that basically my platform. And you wouldn't believe, well, maybe you would, but synchronicity, we just finished the course, the 10 sessions um, this Monday. And then I'm speaking to you today. So that was real beautiful, uh, beautiful <laughs> alignment. So you've, you've been, Charles, you've been in my, uh, you, uh, even more so in the last month, really been in my world with diving into that course. So mm. welcome again, welcome again to uh, the podcast, Charles. Yeah, thanks, Simon. It's been many years uh, since our first conversation. I know, it has indeed. Yeah. And it's, a, it's always a pleasure. And I remember, I remember our last podcast not so long ago, actually, um, and you said something really wonderful that I love. You said, ah, you know, I'm, I'm done with being the smart person on the microphone or the, the video, you know. I just want to show up and I want to be put to good use. And what mm -hmm. does that look like? So, Charles, I know um, I've been listening to a few of your podcasts recently, and I'm, I know you've been diving into uh, lots of different topics, and there's a lot of beautiful content. And I'm personally very excited to see your voice and others that are um, communicating with you spreading around the, the interwebs. Um, yeah, based on the fact that you've been talking a lot about this book, what's alive in you in this moment? Yeah, I just read a uh, really beautiful essay um, about it's it's kind of in the form of a book review. Uh, it's a review of a book that was written many, many decades ago called They Thought They Were Free. Mm -hmm. And it's about um, Nazi Germany, basically. The book um, was, was written, let's see, by the author here, Milton Meyer, that's right. Uh -huh. And basically, in 1952, he went to live in Germany um, among former Nazis who may or may not have actually been official members of the Nazi party, but they were, you know, small town Germans from many walks of life who pretty much, you know, were part of the society. And the book describes how these perfectly ordinary people, uh, there was like a cabinet maker, a bill collector, you know, a police officer, a baker, uh, a teacher, student, so like just ordinary people. And they um, were just decent, hardworking, ordinary people. Uh, they had no concept that Nazism was evil. 
um, not only back in 1933 when it all began, but not even in 1952, uh, because they were just absorbed in like what looms large in somebody's daily life. You know, it's is my job going well? Uh, are my children happy? You know, do we have enough money? Um, like, and everything seemed to be going really well, and they only heard like these vague rumors that, you know, of extermination camps. But, you know, the, the, the extermination camps were like the final step in a very long sequence of almost imperceptible changes, each of which had a justification that seemed satisfied to everybody. Mm. So it was, and, and so the, the author of this review um, his name is uh, uh, Joshua Stiles. Yeah, uh, really, it's a really long, long essay, but he's comparing um, the what happened in Nazi Germany to what has been happening in the time of COVID. Right. And drawing all these parallels. And, and he's, you know, was, was saying um, that in Nazi Germany, you know, especially in the 1930s, no one was going to stand up for to try to to put a stop to what was happening because it wasn't that obvious you know it was just well you know we're just um registering people by their ethnic background that's all we're doing you wouldn't object to that would you you know or it's just you know in for the for for uh, public hygiene or it's just for it's just temporary you know, we're just, like each one of these steps seemed quite innocuous or uh, excusable if you didn't see where it was going. Right. Not to mention that <clears throat> as it proceeded, if you did speak up, then you would get thrown under the bus as well. Like mm -hmm. you would be persecuted as well. So there were all kinds of rewards and punishments um, and justifications and, and rationalizations for not doing anything. But even if you were disturbed by one or another of these measures, each of which built on the last, you still wouldn't say anything if you didn't have like a kind of a historical view or a, a more comprehensive view of what was going on. And so um, this author is saying the same thing is happening today. Like, and he said, I'm ashamed of myself for not speaking up early in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, this is interesting. For one thing, like I made a lot of the same points in um, pretty early in the pandemic, you yes. know, and <clears throat> I was, um, you know, deplatformed and canceled and denounced and, you know, everything that, uh, people are afraid of, well, not everything. I mean, it never did reach the level of concentration camps. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not comparing what happened to the Holocaust, okay? But what I was saying pretty early on was some of the same forces are at work here. Right. This guy's making the same point. And now that, so anyway, you asked like, what's really like alive for me right now? Um, you know, the funny thing is, even though 
like in the title essay, The Coronation, which I wrote in like March of 2020, like way at the beginning. Well, that was the one that went pretty viral. Yeah. And I said a lot of things that turned out to be true, such as this isn't just, you know, to flatten the curve. Right. Whatever reasons we have are going to stay here. Like I said a lot of stuff that was roundly denounced as conspiracy theory and made me into this radioactive person and got me, you know, deplatformed, like, like removed from all kinds of programs, you know, that I'd been on. Yeah, people didn't want <laughs> you to come to it. People said that they didn't want to be on a podcast or on a show that people might be having you on. Right, right. <laughs> and now, like, now that a lot of the stuff that I said then has come true, I still haven't been rehabilitated. Like, that's the weird thing. Right. Like, I still have this radioactive aura. Yeah. Um, because really my crime wasn't in the factual, it didn't, it wasn't, had nothing to do with the factuality of what I said or not. It was that I um, identified myself as a heretic. Mm. The content, the actual heresies are not important. But nobody wants to be associated with a heretic except other heretics. But even they, uh, you know, sometimes punch, they punch down, mm -hmm. uh, you know, well, at least I'm not an anti-vaxxer. At least I support some vaccines. At least I, you know, think viruses are real. At least I, mm -hmm. I believe the earth is round, you know, at least like, <clears throat> you know, we, we, we punch down on each other. And I'm not saying that I, you know, disbelieve that viruses are real or that the earth is round. Um, I'm not, not um, doing that right now. Um, but, you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm like, I'm like, when, when do I get rehabilitated? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. when do I get accepted again by like, <clears throat> I don't know. I feel actually, to be honest, I feel kind of angry, Yeah. you know? I feel angry that that like my former publisher sent an email to hundreds of thousands of people all about me, mm. uh, calling me out as an anti-Semite. Like mm. I feel angry about that. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to be like the angry guy here. And I know that there's a lot worse things that can happen to a human being than that. Okay. On the grand scale of human drama, not a big deal to get called names, to get, you know, deplatformed. Like, yeah, I mean, but, I don't I, think, I, yeah, but it's not yeah. about that, is it? I don't, I'm not receiving <clears throat> it as, I'm not receiving it as the individual uh, persona. I, I value immensely that you're feeling anger and anger is, you know, sacred. I, I, I sometimes call it rage even, or just like rage is yeah. loud, right? We, I, I actually work with emotional release and, and support people to access their anger and, and bloody feel it and allow that anger to be transmuted into, into power, into action and use it. Right. right. What I hear, what I hear, but tell me if, if, if I'm, if I'm right, what I hear, it's not about, just you being rehabilitated as the Charles that now wants to be seen as the one that was had it all right and so on. We're talking about something much bigger here, much broader into which you actually mentioned in the coronation is the, the power of the myth, the power of the intelligence of the myth that is actually at play when we're talking about this, uh, you know, denouncing and suppression and, and um, you know, 
what, uh, what would you call it, a vi uh, not violating, but, you know, condemning those that want to speak out and share what they want to share. No, that's, a, right. that's what I mean. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I'm a, I'm a proxy for, for many, many, many other people. Yeah. And my indignation isn't just personal. Right. And, and it's also, you know, I guess the other thing is what guarantee is there that this isn't going to happen again mm -hmm. or something very like it? Isn't yeah. going to happen again. Maybe having nothing to do with public health, right. you know. Maybe having to do with some other issue that divides people into the right thinkers and the wrong thinkers, the orthodox and the heretics, that uh, creates an external enemy. Uh, maybe it's not a virus this time. Maybe it's something else, and then an internal enemy, which are, consists of those who are uh, insufficiently militant against the external enemy, you know, the, the fifth column, the traitors among us, like the whole dynamic. Like, why isn't this gonna happen again? Please explain to me why this isn't gonna happen again and why so many innocent people are not gonna be sacrificed again. I mean, you know, we say this isn't anything like the Holocaust, you know, nobody, you know, not that many people died as a result. I mean, but actually like millions and millions of people starved as a result of lockdowns. Yeah, I just want to, I, 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 I kind of want to jump in there with you on that as well. And so actually, we're not even looking at the repercussions of the people that are still dying based on the, the what actually happened and what was implemented. You know, when we're talking yeah. about, you know, these deaths, these, um, uh, the mental health, you know, all these other sort of side, side factors of mental health, the opioid use, the stress, the depression, the, you know, there's so many things happening that actually on some level, maybe not physically, they're not all physically dead right now in, in terms of the body's dead. But their 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 energy is dead. Their soul's dead. Their 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 thinking is dead. You know. Yeah, and a lot of them are dead. Uh, right. You know, I know I, I have friends. You know, in Africa, uh, you know, and and interestingly, right before the pandemic, I was in Egypt, and the poverty there was just heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there were there were so many people who were just like barely barely making it. Uh, barely squeaking by based on tourist dollars that would trickle down from the tourists, you know, through various layers of, uh, you know, there were like these con artists and all the secret sites, you know, there were shopkeepers. I mean, there were taxi drivers, like there were like, I mean, Egypt, that was like their biggest industry, you know, mm -hmm. right. what happened to all those people when tourism was shut down? Yeah. You know, you can look at the the hunger, the hunger and starvation statistics. Like, a lot of people died. A lot and, of people died. A, a friend of mine in, in in Africa was talking about. Um, I think can't remember what country this was, where the parents were feeding the kids would get one meal every other day, because that's all the parents could afford. So today, you three get to eat one meal. Tomorrow, the other kids get to eat and you right. alternate. Like, and I, I just, you know, you see my son and, and how he suffers if he misses even one meal. Right. You know, yeah. like that, multiply that times millions and millions. And and this is like, this was part of the, um, they thought they were free book. Uh, you know, you your compassion extends as far as you can see. Right. And I've always in my, I mean, this is why I used to be at least um, 
you know, received very well by the left, you know, because my basic mission is to widen our vision to see those beings that are left out of the equations of capitalism and technology yeah. and modern medicine and, you know, our, all of our systems, you know, the, the human beings, the, the animal beings, the plant beings, the uh, ecological beings, you know, like, like let's, let's extend our compassion to include all that's yeah. been where I've been coming from forever. Yeah. From the and beginning. yeah. And so, so this is, yeah, this, this essay was talking about how um, under Hitler, like there was like this program to uh, subsidize the vacations of working class Germans who had never gone on vacation before or never traveled abroad before. And they were subsidized to, you know, go to Norway, you know, or uh, uh, Spain, uh, you know, and they have their first trip abroad, like in, in their purview, like this was compassion. This was democracy. Like this was, you know, they just, from, from everything that they could see or were willing to see, like, that's the other thing. Like we kind of tend to see what's convenient to see what preserves our worldview. And yeah, so, so I don't know. Um, I guess like this personal aspect of, Hey, what about me? Um, I, I was innocent, you know, it, amplifies into an, an indignation on behalf of all of the innocent people and all of the unseen beings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um... Here's, I'll just give, tell you one like this is a little yeah, story. My, Please. I, I recently reconnected with a friend from high school who I knew his father. His father was a, a brilliant intellectual uh, and, um, but was in decline and had, was in a nursing home. And, um, but you know, he would, uh, his son would visit him every, every month, you know, and they would have, he would call them, you know, once in a while. But then when COVID hit, um, the father was, no longer allowed to receive visitors for his safety and was not even permitted out of his room. He was locked in his room for months and months and months, mm -hmm. no exceptions. Like his food would be delivered, you know. Yeah, put like, food in the hall. Yeah, and, and maybe, I don't know, like a masked person with full protective gear would come and administer some medical test to him once in a while, but he went into rapid decline mm. and spent like the last, you know, half a year of his life in total isolation. Mm. Like, like the UN would define that as torture, mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't just him, everybody in the, he died without seeing his, his children. Yeah. He died alone. Yes. Like, like millions of others, or I mean, in that nursing home, you know, hundreds of others, like, like 
they they did not get included in policymaking numbers. Whatever whatever procedure was implemented to decide on public health policy, those were not part of the data like that, that informed decision-making. So that's an example of who gets left out. And, and then the um, banner of compassion is waved over these actually very inhumane policies that leave so many people out. Because, you know, you're like, yeah, he was protected from COVID. For those six months of absolute hell, he did not get COVID. Yeah, well, yeah, but even yeah. That, that's just absurd anyway. You know, rather right. be with your loved ones, rather be supported, rather be held, rather be feel a hug, rather to feel the loving presence of those that love you dear and die die six months earlier. Right. Yeah. Right. You're gonna you're gonna die in six months. Die six months early, but die with your family by your side. The people that love you and care for you that may or may not get the so-called lurgy virus that's gonna kill everybody. But actually, now everybody's walking around going, "Oh, I've got COVID. I've got COVID. I'm happy. I've got COVID. Oh, now I've got the pass. I've got COVID. Oh, COVID just passed one day, two days, four days. Nobody even has any clue in my. This is purely my uh, perspective on it of what they actually have. <laughs> it's like right mm -hmm. now as we move into this you know this stage yeah. people are still using the word and then when i check in with them it's it's like that's that feels really like you just had a little cold or that just that feels like the fever was moving through did you have aching bones like what did you have the symptoms are all completely people are confused they just don't know what else to call it other than like yeah i, I, I must have covid got covid it, it's like it's insane that's just one thing insane but the story you're sharing, I mean, I have uh, uh, friends who contacted me during that time. They couldn't go and see their mother. They couldn't go and see their mother in a home and so on. They had to, I know you know this and everybody knows this, maybe if they were doing any real research, like they were showing videos of that now of like people outside of the homes just looking inside with masks outside and can't go in and see their loved ones. That's absurd. For me, it's absurd. Yeah. Completely absurd. But it totally makes sense if you are in a certain mindset, a certain quantitative mindset, where your goal is to minimize deaths. Like it, even then, it doesn't really make sense. But yeah. you can see what, how that mindset works, you know. And like, there's there's a certain you know <clears throat> R zero, like how like the number of people each person infects. We have to get that below a certain number, and then like if you're if you're living in a world of numbers, then it kind of makes sense. Uh, these right, policies which you, yeah which you speak to very beautifully in the in the essay the coronation actually and and um and even when you start to go into the essay called the conspiracy myth right there's like like mm -hmm. you, like the book so far i'm i'm like halfway through but um I've, i'm i'm not sure which other essays are in there which i may have read um from your um from your blog but the thing is charles is What's coming up for me, and, and this is when I when I read your stuff, it's such a broad uh, coverage that you that you just rightfully said a moment ago that you do anyway. You like I, even when I come to you with different theories and ideas, you have such a beautiful way of of giving a, a kind of broader, different perspective. Like, hey, what about looking over it from their perspective and that? And you do that for me so beautifully. Like when I read this book now or any of the others, I always feel you know extremely expanded. But even though you're not saying ah. Oh, 
this is this, this is this, you know, the, the, let's say the facts and just the kind of, uh, um, actually just documenting what actually happened. When you look at that in the way that you've done that in the, in the book so far that I've come across, I don't know why, but for me, it makes total sense. It is a sense, you know, maybe that's because I'm the, I'm playing with my own bias because I like you and, uh, and you're, you're writing into what I believe is what is actually happening in the life or, or, or so on. So maybe I'm just, I'm also just looking at my, you know, my, my, uh, what's it called? Um, you know, uh, yeah, bias, right? It's like, you know, I, I like that. However, what I want to ask you is that the things that you have stated in the book and even that you're bringing up now, like, and I'm going to bring in the, the story of that you speak about and have done for many years, the story of separation, the myth of separation, even the, the conspiracy myth that you've now described, which was, was, which was amazing. Like all of this being crumbed, ever since I've been reading your stuff, you've talked about a civilization in collapse, right? We're talking about this and now it's getting more heightened than ever before. That crumbling is in place. I remember reading in The More Beautiful World that you said that the thing about consciousness or our thinking of what can happen it moves rapidly right we can all have a vision of what could be right now but the structures in space um they are uh, they're heavy they're matter they're solid they don't break down so uh, quickly right not as quick as we can consider something so i'm just curious because i feel that anger i just want to voice this as well and for people listening i i speak to people they're pissed they're angry i mean not just not just with what's happened in the last two years that's one thing but all of it. I mean, you know, Russell Brand's covering some amazing stuff. I, I just want to voice him. He's covering some amazing stuff on his uh, on his platform and his podcast right now. And you just you, you almost have to like close your eyes. I kind of do this sometimes. Like, is that is that really happening? Is that really that that's really going on? That's going on in our current civilization and society that is making decisions on how we should or shouldn't be. In life. It's like, it, no, this is this is a no. And it angers me, too. You know, right. I really, I really feel angry. And not only that, I was listening to your beautiful podcast with uh, Lynn Twist on living in the gift. And, you know, she's working with the hun Hunger Project. And I'm even pissed that there's still 40,000 or more kids. I don't know when that statistic was that are dying every day of hunger anyway, regardless of the last two years of COVID. It's like, and then I'm even more pissed about the kids that are getting sex trafficked that are now coming through and being shown. And, and which Carl Cease, bless him, is now doing a, a whole event next year based on supporting this uh, underground movement of, of, uh, of, of, this is real shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it pisses me off, right? So, right. so the question is, is, is that, is this what uh, Peter Joseph, I'm, I'm using names now just to bring them their energy into the field, is that what Peter Joseph would just say a civilization in decline? And we're getting to see it all. It's all there, the good, the bad, the ugly, in your face, online, boom. This is this is the, the shadows for you. Yeah. Um I don't <laughs> think that I don't think that civilizational collapse is going to deliver us into a better world. Right. I think that that we can keep this thing going, um, albeit with greater and greater horror and sacrifice indefinitely. Hmm. That and that a that that what each crisis does though is give us an opportunity to choose something else right it's a it's like an initiatory moment but we don't necessarily um pass the initiation just because we're presented with one we have to make a choice we have to decide uh individually and collectively 
who we are going to be in these circumstances. And what we have been doing, collectively anyway, is to double down on who we have been being, double down on the program of control, double down on the obsession with safety, um, double down on uh, the, the um, technological management of the world around us. And you can see where this is headed. You can see where, where oh, we're, we're depressed. Well, let's um, tinker with the brain chemistry so that we feel good in the situation of uh, you know, living indoors all the time, being on screens all the time, not having community, not having any connection to nature. Like mm. ordinarily that makes you miserable, anxious, depressed, uh, despairing, lonely, isolated, but we can fix that. There's a neuro, you know, there's a chemical in your brain that if we tweak that, uh, you won't feel lonely anymore. You know, we can, you can have a, a better avatar uh, in the metaverse. Uh, you can replace your failing body with uh, synthetic parts. Mm -hmm. uh, like, like this, tell me where this ends. Tell me why this cannot continue until we're like brains in vats, you know, matrix like, or right. cyborgs. Uh, tell me why, like, why we can't continue to convert the entire planet into a strip mine and production facility and waste dump. Mm -hmm. If if we were, if if our um, horror at that we're going to stop us, it would have already stopped us because we've already gone very far down that road. Right. So what I'm, I'm not saying that it's inevitable that it will continue at all. What I'm saying is that we have to choose something else and we can't wait around for collapse to save us or wait around for, well, now climate change is, gonna, is making it so that we have to change. Right, right. We are not going to have to change. Right. We have to choose to change. Yeah. And yeah, so this is like, yeah, this is the biggest, the biggest yeah. change in my thinking, you know, where in my earlier work, I kind of assumed, okay, this collapse is coming. It's a birth process. Um, but now I really think um, that we have a much more of a choice in the matter. Yeah, this is, this is rich, actually. This is beautiful. I'm, I love how you, you spun that round because my understanding of initiation is initiation is take something away, right? Education is you know, add more in, right? So we're, we're taking something away. But I've heard you mention before, and I just want you to bring this in for the for the listeners, because you said something like initiation, like you have to die, right? It's like a real initiation is where, um, tell me if I might be paraphrasing you here, but tell me, is like, like, it's not a pseudo death. It's not a pseudo spiritual death where we go to like some nice place and it all feels good and we pretending to die, you know? It's like initiation is you you die right yeah i don't know if that if that sparks something yeah something um you i mean it could be that you literally face death or that something that was core to your identity is stripped away from you uh, and you get to learn who you are um outside of that and 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 that's where you have an opportunity to choose because while everything, like if you're in your total, in the totality of your circumstances, in your normal reinforcing circumstances, then 
you're just going to keep doing as you've been doing. Right. Because and also the habits, the habits, as we know, and addiction, right. they are so damn. I speak for myself always. They are hard to break. I mean, I think of right. some of mine. Shit. <laughs> That's why people go to rehab programs. Right. Like, you know, if you if if like say you're an addict and you are and you don't change your job, you don't change your relationship, you don't change your place where you're living, you don't change anything else, and you're just like, I'm gonna keep all of that the same and I'm just gonna stop using. Mm. Forget it. Forget it. The using is part of all of that. That's exactly. why you have to go to a rehab center. Or maybe when your spouse runs out on you because she can't take it anymore, maybe then you have the opportunity to change. Or yeah, maybe you just... Opens. Yeah, because something's, right. something actually is broken and then you get another right. opportunity. Yes. Right. You get fired from your job. You know, like yeah. something yeah. changes. And then that doesn't guarantee that you'll quit. No. That you'll stop using. But it does give you an opportunity. Yeah, and when we, that happens, we call that hitting bottom. Yeah. But what's bottom for one person may not be bottom for somebody else. Right. So the question for me is also, what is bottom for our civilization? How do yes. we raise bottom? How do we make it that, that hitting bottom doesn't mean that the whales are extinct forever because of the bioaccumulation of, it's not the hunting anymore that's the biggest threat to the whales, okay? <clears throat> or, or it's not that the honeybees are gone forever or that the last monarch was cited last year or that, um, you know, that, that the oaks are gone. Mm. Like the oaks are dying all across North America. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine that they were gone? Is that going to be bottom? Yeah. Well, when the elms and the chestnuts all, dis chestnuts all disappeared, that wasn't bottom. Mm. There's been a lot of loss. Yeah, I already. say we I, I say we already hit bottom. <laughs> there's no limit though. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. 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 There's no limit to bottom. So so there's something else besides this is what I'm saying again and again. There's no limit to bottom. Yeah. No, no, just yeah. let me take that in. Yeah, exactly. There's no limit to bottom. So you don't even hit bottom. It would just keep it would just keep taking, ripping away. Right? Right. You, uh, one, I just want to jump in and you said something a moment ago about the addict and the using. So mm -hmm. when it comes to, and I love what you said earlier, we, and this has really fired something up in me. We choose change. Like, are we, are we going to choose change? At what point are we going to choose change? And you said, we keep using certain things can go, but we keep using if these habits and these behaviors are still in place. So my, my question to you, or if, if you feel like, you know, as always with our conversations, if something else is bubbling, but what does that, what does that look like to choose, you know, to choose change right now in the way that we're talking about it, right? What does it, what does that look like for us? It means to, to choose, to choose life. Yeah. To devote ourselves to life and to beauty also. Mm, sacred to, beauty. Yeah. It's a devotional aspect, a, a devotional attitude, you know, mm. where you're orienting toward first, for one thing, you understand you're going to die. So that your motivation to serve your separate self bears a limit. And I've noticed this happening as I've gotten older, you know, where, where, Investing in my future makes less and less sense. I don't have my whole life ahead of me anymore. 
I have two thirds of my life behind me. So as, as the, as, as my aging makes the fact of death more and more present, my orientation becomes less and less selfish. Um, and, and more and more devoted toward that, which is beyond myself, which is only temporary. Like, right. why would I invest so much in something that's temporary? You know, when there's a world out there much bigger than myself mm-hmm. uh, uh, and a, a cosmic creative process mm-hmm. that, that spans eons that I can contribute to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so this, it's not only old age that can deliver that realization to us. The, you know, it can happen when people have a near-death experience or uh, some other brush with death or some kind of initiation that just lands the truth that this is not about me. So it's very helpful to have other people around us who are also choosing devotion uh, because it reminds us that we're not crazy for doing it. it. It affirms those values. It forms a different story about who we are and why we're here. And it's not only like this intellectual story level, it's also um, the, the, the frequency that gets transmitted when somebody, when we witness somebody living devotionally. Mm-hmm. That's what raises bottom. Mm-hmm. It's not only that things get so bad, I can't stand it anymore, I've got to change. It's also that there is an alternative here. That's why in addiction recovery, it's often very important to have some kind of mentor, some kind of advocate, somebody who has made this transition <clears throat> toward serving something beyond themselves and, that, and who is a living example of that possibility. Like we kind of have to know what's on the menu in order to choose. And right right now we're we're uh, you know if you read the the news media and all the despair out there I mean the menu only has um, it doesn't have the the dishes that we really are hungry for yeah <laughs> the dishes of of, of a, a lot planet, of the same you know. meal <clears throat> a lot of the same meal of of fear and and separation and. Uh get yeah. what i get what i can get to survive and and my idea my truth is the the one truth and the arguing and the conflict and that and so on yeah this yeah and thing, go on carry on yeah so uh i was just talking to a guy who um runs a, a permaculture farm in hawaii it's like only four acres but there's like 15 full-time people there and they're producing like these herbs that like people take these herbs and they're like, I've never had real herbs before, you know, because of the way that they're grown mm. um, with all their companion plants and in a ceremonial way, you know, and, and like, or even like the experience of, if you've only ever eaten store-bought strawberries and then you go to a garden and you pick a strawberry and put it in your mouth that's still ripe from the sun that's right. still warm from the sun, yes. you know, that, and you realize that 
there's something else on the menu here right. that money cannot buy mm. that's only available in like almost an entirely alternate reality mm. where you hold something important that had been invisible in the matrix. Mm. You know, I, I had that experience with my nine-year-old son. We were at my brother's farm, you know, picking strawberries. And, and I'm like, Bill Gates cannot have this experience mm. with his money. The only way he can have this experience is if he actually goes outside, stoops over, finds the warm strawberry, and puts it in his mouth. Mm. Like, even if he pays somebody to go out into the field and pick those strawberries for him, it's still not quite the same. Right. You know? And, and if he had that experience, how would that change his entire orientation to life? Mm. So those of us who have access to those experiences, and I know you do a lot of work you know, maybe not with strawberries, but with, with intimacy, you know, with like, like authentic connection, like when we have those experiences, then we become aware of a whole other menu of yes. choices. Yes. And that, so that is really important. Like yes, that kind so of work. Yeah. Cause it gives us an alternative to the, you know, meta human, you know, transhuman metaverse. Right. Yeah, you reminded me. You reminded me as you speak of the strawberry, my friend Pepe. I just re recorded a podcast with him, and he was talking about. It, it was kind of said solar energy, you no, know, this sun energy. He's a permaculturist, and uh, he's been, you know, he has a a little farm here in Portugal. If you ever come this way again, and I'd love to take you there. Uh, he was actually in Malta when me and you met. I took Polly Higgins there, and she mm -hmm. loved his farm. He was he had mm -hmm. a farm in uh, Malta, and. Um, and then um, now he's moved to Portugal. He's been there three years. He's got this beautiful farm. He's, you know, and he's now sharing, he's, you know, he's doing his piece to share with people like, look, this is how you can live. This is how you can grow. And he's just, he just has a little one, uh, one hectare space. And um, yeah, he was saying the other day of like, you know, you, you just can't, you, if you're not in the garden and you're not receiving this sun energy that's coming in and, and energizing this food and energizing this garden, and then we're going outside and we're eating it straight. We're taking it direct from the sun. And he's like, and that's what energizes us. That's what gives us aliveness. You know, it's like, it's, this gives us health. This gives us the benefits to the nutrients we really need, right. In order to grow and to, and to, and to then feel the interconnectedness with that, you know, symbiosis, as he always talks about, and the, you know, the interconnectedness that we, that we really are. Um, I haven't got to study so much of this, but I know you're, you've become friends with Zach Bush, but the little bit that I've seen in him, again, it's, it's giving, I love what you said, this alternative perspective of widening the menu of how much beauty and joy and the gift of life there is to experience beyond, you know, this whatever we want to call it this limited menu that everybody seems so addicted to and fixated on yeah this is what i'm taking away um uh, mm -hmm. for today and then to bring to actually if, if there's anything for people listening what can we do sometimes that's what people say to me like but what can we do no it's like it's just you know we just go along yeah. with it what can we do and that, and so that's so this is right and i want to say that this these Please. like alternate menu items these are not just here's how people could grow food, here's how right. we could dance, you know, here's how we could organize. It's also a state of being. Yes. These other realities correspond with an inner reality and a state of being. Mm. So 
if you are on a healing path and you have these experiences of the strawberry or of the intimacy or of like, what is it like to devote yourself to something that is so beautiful to you that you almost can't be bothered to do anything else, even though your rational mind says it's not practical and not helpful, mm. but, but you're in love with your creation. Like, mm. who do you become when, that, when you are in that, having those experiences? Mm. It changes you and you become a walking attractor mm. for, or an awakener of that dormant part of other people that they look at you and they're like, yeah, I want that. I mean, this is, this explains some of the appeal of Polly Higgins and of Zach Bush. Mm. You know, it's not just that they were smart or are smart and can articulate a different vision. There's, there was something about Polly. I'll just talk about her. Um, like she was a living example of something yeah. she had a direct connection to what i call a more beautiful world yes and people just liked being around her and she was and devoted absolutely devoted yes yeah Fully. and fearless fearless, fearless. Mm -hmm. yeah so she was like living proof of a possibility that we dare believe in yeah and her book, even the, one of the books that she had, I Dare You To Be Great. Do you remember that? That was a, a theme of hers and, her, and right. also her, uh, her TED Talk. That was, the, yeah. that was her whole thing, right? I Dare You To Be yeah. Great. Right. Yes. So this question, well, what can we do about it? And when we look at the enormity of the forces uh, that protect the status quo and profit from the status quo and so forth, we will, we will succumb to despair if we're not aware of the kind of power that Polly Higgins had and that is available to all of us Yes. when we fully receive the gifts and therefore, like when we fully receive the gifts of somebody like her or of that strawberry or of that intimate connection or like any time that this more beautiful world reaches out to us and we receive that fully with gratitude. I mean, gratitude really is actually the process of receiving it fully. Yes. Then we come into resonance with that and we exert the same kind of power that Polly did. Yes. You know, and that we detect in other people too, like Zach Bush. Um, oh, I detected you just saying. Yeah. <laughs> And maybe, you know, yeah, that's maybe, what I get maybe. From you, you know, like I get that, I get that from being with you and, and reading your words and feeling that it, it, it plugs me into that world. You know, I remember you said in one of your videos, you said, um, this, the more beautiful world to the extent that it can come into being is to the extent that we, we, we commit to it. We believe in it. We, we, we live it. Right. Yeah. That's what you're saying right, right now. Right. It, it, it comes into being through um, causal principles that are invisible from the old story. Yes. You know, and, and if you're in the old story, it's going to seem hopeless. Yes. You know, when, when you're, how are we going to take down the World Economic Forum, you know, and the WHO and Bill Gates yeah. and like, um, 
just all of the complicity and all of the ignorance and the mob mentality and the mass formation and these fascistic things I was talking about, like that's, if it were only that, then there would be no hope. But who says there is only that? It is exactly those systems that say there is only that. It becomes a prison. Like once you're in it, it completely defines the boundaries of reality. And we're helpless there. It's like in the matrix, you know, when Neo is trying to find out what is the matrix, he thinks there's something outside the matrix, but everywhere he looks is still the matrix. Right. He can't. The only way he gets out actually is that something from outside the matrix notices his search and finds him. That's what Morpheus does. It's not that he found Morpheus. Morpheus took notice of him and found him. And in the same way, like our desperation to try to get out of this thing, all of our rage, all of our indignation, you know, like all of our fruitless attempts to find a way out, they attract, they, those, those land like prayers of supplication to the merciful beings outside of the matrix. And they reach out to us. They hand us that experience of eating the strawberry. They send a person to us as their emissary. They give us an experience that says there is something outside this and it's not hopeless. And all we have to do is to fully accept that and not gaslight ourselves and say, well, that didn't really happen. That was inconsequential. That wasn't real. That wasn't important. Mm. We have to say, no, that was real. That was truth. And I will cherish this data point that doesn't make sense in the world of, of despair and the world of control mm -hmm. and reductionism, you know, and and hopelessness doesn't make sense there. This data point doesn't make sense. So am I going to discard this data point? No, I trust my recognition of that experience as sacred. I trust my recognition of that person as a truth teller. Just hold that. You hold that as a treasure and necessarily because the other data points don't fit, they begin to reorganize. Yeah. 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 They can't, they can't stick to you. They can't stick anymore. They don't, they can't hold up. Right. Yeah? They become obsolete actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and as, as you're speaking so beautifully, I, I love the, the word, the word that just kept popping up was this synchronicity, like, like just, you know, trusting the sacred, trusting the sacred synchronicity and of that greater intelligence as well that we have, we can feel, we can taste, we feel that magic. Um, this is also something that came up in the, in the GIF and, and to see it with what I like to say, but these real eyes, you know, today, so this is such a rich conversation. I hope all that are listening, you're really feeling this because, you know, often we do feel helpless and hopeless and, oh, it's just us and our little thing. But when we plug into what Charles is, is bringing today, what's coming up, you know, there is, there is, I want to say this as well, because, you know, there are amazing solutions happening right now. There are 
millions of devoted beings that devote themselves to this uh, this what we're talking about the more beautiful world you know there are there are there is a ripple effect i feel like like never before um and it's what i mentioned at the beginning but there's a there's a i can't remember the woman's name now she talks about the pyramid and the pool and she says that these structures that have been held up for so long in the pyramid what's happening is at the bottom there's this pool of conscious awareness awakening all the things we've spoken about today happening and it's happening in there and she had these sugar sugar cubes uh, in the, this um dye this like water and of course the sugar's slowly uh, melting right it's and it's all falling in and the last bit that fell was obviously those last sugar uh, sugar cubes right but she said underneath this pool that we are this devoted beings this what we what we will share today that is happening it's not not happening right now so so they those structures of of control they really are dissolving and this is definitely how i like to metaphorically envision it yeah um that's one of the timelines that's available for our choosing mm. <clears throat> It's one of the timelines available for our choosing. And then the question is, are we going to choose that, right? That's mm -hmm. it. Um, and the real question is, are you going to choose that? Yes. And yes. the purpose but of- I have chosen it. Well, it's an ongoing choice. Yes. And that's beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Because you know what as well? I'm so, I love you. I'm so glad you said that because I've been feeling really demotivated the last six months, right? I was feeling really sucked mm -hmm. in- sucked in by um the you know the outer it was really it was it was weaving its way in i have my practices and so on but it was weaving my way in and um so you're right it's a it's a it's a moment to moment almost it's yeah it's moment to moment I'm and, and, and it's a deepening it's a yeah. deepening choice you know it, it's not we're not faced with actually i mean i used the example of a menu you know <clears throat> but it's really not an either or right um it's really like how beautiful a world do we want to choose? Yeah. Are we ready to choose? Mm. And the purpose of a conversation like the one we're having right now is mostly to orient us toward that choice so yes. that we recognize the opportunities when they come up. The opportunity to, I mean, it could be some seemingly insignificant act of devotion to uh, beauty on your you know, on your little garden um, yes. that like, how is that going to help with global ecological collapse or, or, you know, Ukraine or whatever. Um, but maybe that's what's coming up in this moment. And it's that mindset of devotion to life and beauty that carries over into political choices, into social choices, into whatever circumstances pose themselves in that moment mm. and part of it then is that we trust that our alignment to that more beautiful future generates the perfect pathway to that future mm. like all we have to do is to is to choose but we don't have to actually create the menu ourselves Mm. like that's not our job mm. and yeah, it, it reveals itself yeah mm. like you don't know what choice you're going to face this afternoon yeah. that you know you could say well i'm already choosing it but yeah 
that just sets the stage for a new level. You know, you don't know what unexpected thing, you know, is going to is going to come into your field that that maybe you've been choosing beauty and devotion and life and love in some areas and not in others. Yes. And now that's true. The, yeah, and now that like the sincerity of your of your commitment is heard and the co-resonance between you and me maybe uh, sets something in motion that a opportunity arises in an area where you had been shut down. Yes. And you wouldn't even have noticed it before. Mm. It's not like these opportunities don't happen mm. anyway, but you wouldn't have noticed it before. But now maybe because of this conversation or, or something, maybe now you notice it. That doesn't guarantee that you will choose one thing or the other, but that's one thing that we can do is we can attune each other yeah. to opportunities that we didn't know existed before. Yeah, I totally feel that right now. It's happening right now because I can even, I'm getting like little flashes in my mind of where where I haven't been choosing a yes and where I have been getting pulled out in certain things and certain little habits, addictions, whatever we want to call them. The phone, mm -hmm. you know, wasting my time in, in places. Mm -hmm. yeah, just, this is just popping up now as you're speaking. And then as you pulled me in and pulled me back in, like totally I received that achievement as almost like a sharpening. And that's exactly what these conversations do for me. Yeah. yeah. They shut, they bring me in. You said it, they, they open up the next, uh, the deepening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of like of like how devoted how devoted am I right now to this, you know? And what 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 action would I make if I just was bringing in a little a little bit more to that? Right. And maybe it's not a um, vow or a commitment. It's like okay, I'm gonna really be devoted from now on. Yeah. Maybe it's simply that you're like you're having these flashes, you know? And maybe you just trust trust your good intentions like you trust oh i've received this flash i've received this feeling of wanting to be really attentive and if i trust the power of that i don't have to um make this commitment yeah you know it's it's a yeah. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 it's easier than that yeah, because that because that can become <laughs> that can become this kind of controlling mentality that right. actually gets me into this like seriousness of like i'm really devoted and you know i need i need to change and you know and it becomes right. almost force right right like have you ever just had one of those times where maybe somebody just like pays you a really nice compliment you know or uh or it's just something like really uplifting happens to you and you like go down the street, you know, and you're zippity doo da, zippity day. And like, without, you're not like, okay, I'm going to be really nice to people today. Yeah. But for hours afterwards, you're just a beacon of, of light and love. And every oh, interaction you have lights up somebody's day. Yes. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. 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 It makes total sense. I know it. I've yeah. had it totally. Yeah, and it can be the most, like you said, the most unexpected thing. And then just boom, you're just, I love mm -hmm. that. <laughs> it's so right. true. Yeah. Yeah, beautifully, beautifully. Um, yeah, just beautifully uh, expressed. Wow, I feel really alive right now. I feel com com compared to the beginning and now, 
I feel really uh, also energized and um, I'm full of, uh, full of potential, actually. I was just mm-hmm. looking at my uh, notes. I made some notes and we can wax lyrical on them another time because I'm aware of, of the time now. But um, yeah, there was, uh, yeah, just, uh, this just feels, yeah, this just feels very yeah. uh, potent and, and how, it, how, it, how it was meant to unfold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it take, took us a little while to get going just because, <laughs> I don't know, you had this idea that we need to, t- to talk about my book and I, I appreciate your generous impulse to support the book, but that's not what we were actually supposed to be talking about today. Right, exactly, so, yeah. exactly. And, and, and uh yeah, and I love that about us as well. It's so true because you know, um, yeah, it's not just about promoting something anyway. It's about it's yeah. about being. It's about being. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really appreciate that. I appreciate you. And uh, and uh, yeah, I just uh, yeah, I just feel we weaved in a beautiful um, a beautiful journey there. Mm-hmm. So, with that in mind, with that in mind. Um, yeah, is there any anything you would like to say in the last in the last moments, just to give you that space, as always? Um... Yeah, I'm I'm just taking in um, a grateful feeling for our long connection, mm. and um, yeah, and the. Um, full humanity of this person that I'm looking at through the screen is having his own experience and is a universe unto himself, just like me. Mm. Yeah, I cherish, I cherish this, uh, this journey we've been on with, uh, yeah, just great reverence. Thanks for being here. Ciao. Thanks, Simon. Ciao. Thank you for listening to another episode of Simon Transparently. This podcast is a call to action, a call into sovereignty, a call to speak our truth and love ourselves fiercely, and for us all to rise up together as love. If you are resonating with my offerings, you can support me by becoming a patron, for which I would be deeply grateful. And you can access more of my content at simontransparently.com. This is